0: Hello, dear listeners, welcome to Semaphore Uncut, a podcast for developers about building great products. In this new episode, Darko, the podcast host, welcomes software tester and author James Marcus Bach. James shares his insights on navigating modern testing challenges, his call for diverse perspectives in education, and his upcoming book, Taking Testing Seriously. I hope you enjoy this new episode. And let's dive in.
1: James, if you can just uh, go ahead and introduce yourself.
0: I am James Bach. I am a consulting software tester and I've written a book about testing. And I wrote a book about self-education because I'm a proud high school dropout. I started out as a video game programmer, a teenage video game programmer, and uh, the guy who gave me my my start uh, hired me out of my uh, very first uh, job uh, selling computers at a computer store And I never managed to sell a single computer, and I broke one computer. So I was like negative in negative numbers. But I was able to program in assembly language, and he came into the store and asked if anybody knew anyone who knew how to program in assembly language, and I got hired. So after a few years of learning to be a professional programmer under the the thumb of this uh Wonderful man, I was able to get a job at Apple Computer. That's when I got into testing. They hired me as a test manager, even though I had no management experience and no testing experience. The reason I got the job is because uh, my manager wanted to train someone from scratch. And that's an important thing. If you don't have a lot of experience in the field, you don't have to worry too much because just just be hungrier and be a little less expensive than the experienced people and someone will give you a shot. Uh, so that got me my start and that's when I fell in love with testing. And I, I turned out to be good at testing because I'm a natural complainer. That's a, a temperament that helps in software testing because... You you have to hold yourself out from the way the rest of the group wants to think, uh, which gets into rapid software testing and it gets into why software testers are useful and why projects should want serious projects doing serious software should want to have independent software testers. So anyway, I've been doing that for a lot of years and I've been a consultant for the last... Twenty-four years, and uh, now I'm working on a new book, which is uh, the Rapid Software Testing book, and that's that's me.
1: Amazing. Um, <clears throat> if you would look from the time that you got into the waters of you know software testing to today, and if you would, from your perspective, give us you know how the industry have changed and attitude towards the testing has changed.
0: Yeah, industry has changed. Uh, has changed a lot in some ways for the better, in some ways for the worse. Uh, uh, here's some examples. Uh, in uh, the, f- in, in 1989, Apple, uh, the, the guys at Apple computer had this bright idea, which was they wanted to disband the huge testing group at Apple. That had 400 uh, people in it. And at that time, Apple had about 12,000 employees much bigger now, but it was 12,000 in in 1989, roughly. And uh, they decided they were going to disband the the testing group and divide the testers and send them out all to the divisions. And then what happened is the divisions disbanded the testing groups and divided them out and sent them out to the different teams. So it's a common idea today is to to have testers fully embedded in, in teams that had the effect of destroying the testing culture at Apple computer it just it, it made it so hard for the testers to hold each other to a high standard because now we were working for developers
1: yeah
0: and this is a big problem because when you're working for developers you're working for development managers which is a very common thing these days you're working for people who don't understand testing And so, what that means is every tester, no matter how inexperienced they are, you have to become your own test manager. Because usually, what it was before is it was common in the 90s to have test managers in test groups that were protecting the testers. And then the Agilists came along and said, oh, we don't need managers. So, one big way that the industry has changed is testers have come under tremendous pressure so one re- one reason testers are under pressure is because of the loss of management but there's a second reason and that is because in the 90s in the 80s and 90s the commercial software development world was not an online world the uh, mainframe world was online but not not the microcomputer world. And what that meant was no continuous delivery, right? You had time. So the testers had time to do what they needed to do because of the inherent friction in the system. So now it's like, Oh, oh we can, we can upload a new version in, uh, in half a second. It's, it's there, it's deployed. And, and people want to deploy very fast. So they want to get testers out of the way. But what they're getting when they get testers out of the way, you know, what you're really doing is you're just getting judgment out of the way. You're, you're getting human understanding out of the way. All the spirit of those people who came up with the Agile manifesto is pretty much gone. As the corporations have, uh, turned it into this, uh, corporate thing where you, it's now priesthood. It's not, you don't have the freedom. Uh, it's not freewheeling anymore. So agile came along and then around 2010, DevOps came along and that was the continuous, uh, delivery stuff. And people say, Oh, let's have a, let's, let's have everybody responsible for quality. And somehow that turns into nobody is responsible for testing. So then testing doesn't get the attention that it needs, which means projects are not being responsible about releasing software. But all this stuff is possible, all this irresponsibility. It's all possible because the market is so inefficient. That's a big problem. You can put out bad software and – People go, eh, you know, I can kind of use it. And then, and then you get ransomware (laughs) (laughs) and then everyone just shrugs like it's, there's nothing you can do about it. Well, what you can do about it is slow down and be more responsible, but there's too much money at stake. So people don't want to slow down and be responsible and no law makes them be responsible. So what's happening is testers are getting squeezed out.
1: I do have a couple of follow, follow up questions on that. I, I would just share um, we are like in the world of you know continuous delivery and all, all, all of that stuff, and we are that g- generation uh, generally. And
0: uh, I think there's an elite, you know, there's a smallish group that are really into continuous delivery, but there's also a huge industry out there of companies that need to do software, and they decide to be careful about releasing. Yeah.
1: What, what I'm seeing is that <clears throat> uh, smaller companies you know tend to not to really have a testing and quality teams as you know a division as a, as a discipline and craft but as we ended up during years working with you know a, a customers that are you know more mature in the overall you know approach to the uh, to how they are doing things you uh, develop, uh, you know, quality teams that, from my view, also uh, include, you know, the the testing as a craft and as a discipline, do emerge and do exist. It's just the question of if it's a startup of like 10 engineers and a designer and, you know, even 50, 50 developers and so on. My sense is that they don't really have that. And once they grow up, some of them you know, do recognize that and do bring, you know, some people from the industry who have, you know, a significantly more experience. And they, they do introduce that, you know, a group that is responsible for quality and have that approach of, you know, holistic testing and you know, testing culture and, and, and all of that. So just a, a note on that.
0: There's a community of people that do what they call holistic testing. But as far as I can tell, their their idea of holistic testing doesn't have much to do with testing. It has to do with quality. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, there's there's a whole subculture of so-called testers who, what they really care about is quality. Mm -hmm. Testing is not about quality. I do my best not to think about quality when I'm testing because it distracts me from my testing. What I am thinking about, it's the truth. The truth is my focus. I want to know the true status of this piece of software. And I want, then I want to relate that to what it should be, it, uh, which is quality, I guess, right? Is what it should be, except that's often a poorly defined idea. So we are working with this dynamic idea of what the product should be, and we're working with this this uh, evidence of what the product is. And we're relating those things together. So my first concern is, what is the truth about the status of this product? My My second concern is trouble. I'm looking for trouble. I'm not looking for quality. I'm looking for the opposite of quality. I have faith that there is trouble. That's the only thing I have faith in as a tester, because if I don't believe that, my motivation goes away and I'm not a very good tester. I need to be sharp eyed. Now, some people hearing this will go, I don't understand, James. Don't you just write test cases and then they just pass or fail? No, that's not what testing is. Testing is an investigation. People who are writing test cases are trying to rush past the investigation part and get to the regression part. And regression testing is interesting and it is important. But to do nice, practical, useful test cases, I first have to investigate the product in a primary way. So primary testing comes before regression testing. I don't use the term automated testing because I think it's a horrible, toxic term. Uh, As soon as you say automated testing, people who don't understand testing think that you don't need testers because you just have a robot do it. Robots can do everything. Well, they can't do testing. Robots can't do testing because testing requires human judgment. So, uh, but robots can help me. And I write a lot of tools. I use a lot of tools to help myself uh, 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 test better.
1: Uh, I watched one of your talks uh, on you know rapid software testing where you introduced the, introduced but you know painted the landscape of having a test manager and a a responsible, you know, person. And then you had a number of other people, you know, who are doing testing. And that manager is, if I understood correctly, protecting the other folks from the rest of the organization in in some way. Yeah,
0: right. Tester minds are very delicate. So if I'm working with you, Darko, and I like you, and you're my developer, and you say, oh, James, I'm just getting so tired of all these bugs. I mean, when's it going to end? It's hard for me not to be affected by that. And I start censoring myself. I start saying, Well, is this really worth bothering Darko about? So we we are really easy to bully, essentially. Yep. What you have to do is you if you're working with testers, is you've got to be really careful to create an inviting, welcoming atmosphere. Uh when I I write software myself and I've got friends that test it, test my software to help me with it. And whenever they report something that's not a bug, I try to have this discipline. I say, I, I don't think that's a bug. And here's why. But thank you for reporting it. It was right to report it. To keep, keep them coming. I might disagree with it. But I always want to hear it if that's your feeling that it really is a problem. So I want to create, I guess (coughs) the common word, the common word for it is psychological safety. I want to create psychological safety on the team so that people will do the complaining that I I need them to do. And that means I got to hold my tongue. So managers can do that. Manage, that's a job of management, create the environment where other people get work done. Now, you mentioned responsible tester. In RST, we have a division between responsible testers and supporting testers. And it, it doesn't have to do with experience level. It has to do with role. So I, I can be a supporting tester to a much junior person who's the responsible tester, uh, what that means is a responsible tester is the person who is fully accountable for the test strategy. We're going to do the testing in this way for this reason. And I, for this part of the product, I decide that. And if anyone has a problem with it, I answer for it. I explain it. A supporting tester can help test, but the supporting tester is not expected to question the test strategy. The responsible tester sets the strategy. The supporting tester helps that person fulfill that strategy. So developers who are coming in to help the testers are essentially supporting testers.
1: In this structure that you just now described, having a responsible tester, helper tester, testing manager, uh, testing manager is working with the product manager. Is that... Who who is, who is his boss and how 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 is that relationship established through the development engineering team?
0: That when I where I've seen it work really well, which is uh, at Apple at a certain point, but also I went from Apple to Borland International. I was in charge of testing debuggers, and so what we had there was we had a testing group separate. From the development group and both groups reported up to the business unit manager so that, so it came together. The groups came together at the level of business management instead of the testers reporting into technical management. And this created a structure that protected the testers from being bullied. Now, sometimes people say, well, doesn't doing this create silos? No, I was working. My office was next door to the development manager's office. The testers worked within 15 feet of the developer that they, uh, that, that they were testing for. We were all together. And this was all before there was anything called agile. We were doing stand up meetings. We were paired programming is something that I first saw. At Borland International in 1992. And, uh, and, and it was happening like right across from my, from my office. But the formal management structures meant that the developers could not bully my testers. If the developer had a problem with my tester, the developer would have to come to me and say, I have a problem with your tester. And they did. They came to me and then I had to make sure it, it got solved because I wanted the developers to be happy. And, I, and, but the, but the testers always knew that they had protection from just being, you know, pushed around. And I think that's lost in today's world because there's this, this intense, fervent ideology driven by a relatively small number of people who are, happen to be really rich. I think it's because they have a lot of money because they worked at Google or they worked at Facebook. And so what they say, uh, people just automatically, uh, uh, listen to and, and these people, they don't want, they don't want non-technical testers. I think non-technical testers are really important. Absolutely. A lot of people go like everybody should code. Everybody should code. It's a terrible thing that everybody, uh, codes. It creates monoculture. We need diversity if we're going to have excellence in testing.
1: In terms of your new book ca- coming out, um, yeah, how can we help sp- spread the word? And can you give us what what can you tell us about it?
0: The book is called "Taking Testing Seriously." All these books about testing that are out there right now, almost all of them, uh, talk around the subject of testing. They say they talk about collaboration. They wave their hands at automation. They don't actually tell you how to test. I want a book that tells you how to test. Like This is it. If you want to be an excellent tester, this is the kind of things that you have to do. This is what you have to learn to do. The next step is to write out, okay, how do you actually do test design? But this is contextual. So I have to talk about a bunch of different contexts. I've got to talk about the medical device context and the embedded systems context they all create different testing challenges
1: in the realm of uh, software testing are there curriculums you know or you know just um, paths that you are somewhat happy with and that you would recommend
0: if you want to be an excellent tester i recommend getting a degree in philosophy uh, i i hired a, a a philosophy grad to be a, uh, a test lead uh, years ago at Hewlett-Packard. He was great. I also once hired a, a lawyer to be a tester. And she was great. She also had a CS degree. She had both the CS degree and the law degree. <laughs> uh, in other words, I think liberal arts is actually a wonderful uh, preparation And these people don't even know that they can be really valuable as testers. They don't even know. And one reason they don't know is the industry, our industry, doesn't understand how valuable these people can be. And it's a philosophy. The philosophy I'm talking about is a philosophy that encourages diversity. You know, and it's saying every single person has to be, if you're a tester, then you have to do automation or else you can't get a job. That just means that only certain kinds of people can be testers.
1: Yeah.
0: Let me leave you with this. My brother worked at Microsoft three different times in three different jobs at Microsoft. All time, each time he was a tester, but he could not get a job at Microsoft today because my brother, his degree is in journalism. He's not a programmer. But he was a successful tester at Microsoft in, in three different groups. Microsoft got taken over by a group of crazy ideologues who just wanted to hang out with other people with comp-side degrees. And so did Google and so did Facebook. And then that has influenced the entire industry. What these bozos who don't understand testing. And you know they say they're successful. Yeah, yeah, they're successful because they have a monopoly. They're successful because of their business model. They're not successful because of their fantastic software.
1: And in terms of you know staying up to date with your book, and you know uh, <clears throat> who is going to publish it, and where we, where can you know our listeners learn more about it?
0: It's going to come out through uh, Wiley. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like my uh, previous book, uh, Lessons Learned in Software Testing, um, it's gonna be a Wiley uh, book. and I guess it comes out at the end of this year.
1: Uh, thank you so much, so much for your time and uh, thank you. your experience is uh, <clears throat> very valuable and I'm I'm really glad glad that you're putting all of that in a book. Thanks, Dargo. Thank you so much.
0: What a great conversation. We hope you enjoyed it and learned something new. Make sure to subscribe to Semaphore Uncut on your podcast player of choice so that you don't miss our new episodes. And stay tuned.